Hey, we have a special guest with us tonight, today. Jimmy Brasher is going to come and give us a word today. So let's give him a hand right now. Amen. Good morning. How y'all? Well, I have the honor of being here with you all today, and um, it's a little bit different for me. I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to talk and hang out with you all. So how y'all doing? We need the y'all counter. So we. Uh, I hope that today that you are happy. Look at your neighbor and say, he said happy. That's right, because, you know, part of, part, a big part of the kingdom, as the kingdom is described as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, there is this element of happiness. And I think that we as individuals need to contain or train our emotional state to be able to express the reality of the joy of the Lord. A verse that's really been kicking me around lately when I get a little bit melancholy is Psalm 100, verse 2. And it simply says, Serve the Lord with gladness. So I hope today that you get that down inside of your heart that when you leave here today, if you start, how you doing, George Ann? You're kind of in the jungle over there. And, uh, that you leave here today with that in your heart. So Sherry and I have been very busy. We've had a, uh, for those of you that know us, we travel or don't know us, we travel full time. So we're in churches and other non-church venues around America and some overseas. And we've been very busy this summer. And last night we had the privilege of hanging out with some friends in Excelsior Springs at Wabash Barbecue. And the band and I were there, and we played until about uh, midnight. And so we got home about, oh, 12, 31 o'clock and slept real fast. So if you look at Sherry and I and you say, man, your eyes are bloodshot. It's like, that's why. So, so anyway, we're glad to be here. But we do have some exciting things going on. In just a couple of weeks on August 2nd, we will head to Sturgis, South Dakota, for the motorcycle rally. And I got some pictures that I want to show you from Sturgis. So this is a nice little picture of downtown Sturgis. For those of you that don't know what happens at Sturgis, the state of South Dakota has a population of 700,000. The first full week of August, they are graced with 500 plus thousand visitors that come on motorcycles. So the whole state, the whole western half of the state is consumed. And this is just a clip of what downtown looks like. At any given moment, there's 100,000 plus people walking around just in this one spot. Now, there are like many, many other places like this down there. And we have this little stage set up. Hang out there for a second. Go back there for a second, Jonathan. We have this little stage set up on Main Street, and my descriptive word for this part of the ministry is primitive. That means we look like a bunch of hillbillies when we get there, and and we have for the last seven years been on this stage, and there's Sherry over there on the left, and we're right on Main Street, and we have a team of people, and while we are playing music, they're there giving away CDs, and every 
culture, there's a connection to spiritual things. And in the biker community, that connection is the bike blessing prayer. Every biker wants their bike and themselves to be prayed over. So popular it was. Last year in May, Pope Francis did a bike blessing at the Vatican. So there you go. That makes it all right. And... uh And so we have this little CD that we give away that has a bike blessing prayer on it. It has some of my music on it, and it has mine and Sherry's personal story of how we came to faith. And we give these away by the thousands. We actually give away uh, annually more CDs than we sell. And that's, that's a cool thing. So we're on this little stage here, and, uh, sh- you know, it's just right there on the sidewalk. People walk by. They pick up these CDs by the hundreds. Sherry will average by herself between two and 300 CDs an hour, giving them away. And our kind of our test to see if we're effective is the fact that we, every time after we're done, I'll go take a walk, and I'll just walk around the area, and I have yet to find one of those CDs laying on the ground. So anyway, go ahead, Jonathan. So there's kind of a street-level shot, the stage off to the left. All right, go ahead. We'll, we'll blast through the rest of these. There's Sherry. She's always there on my right with a handful of CDs, and she's really effective at that stuff. So we have a team of people out on the street. Go ahead. And you can get a glimpse of how close we are to them. So you can give, And I can give them high fives. You know, how you doing? And so we're there doing that stuff. So go ahead. There's all kinds of people giving those things away. So, yeah, even in your mouth. And then we were invited last year to come to this stage and play. This stage is at a place called the Legendary Buffalo Chip. The the Legendary Buffalo Chip. And their moniker is the best party anywhere. I don't know how many people are there. I believe they have like 20,000 campsites that are there. And uh, it's a big party venue. And so we were invited last year to come and to play and to pray for the bikers that are there, to do a bike blessing prayer for them. So here's some pictures of me at the bar passing out CDs to people and meeting them and me praying. So, so anyway, that comes up in just a couple of weeks. We're, we'll be leaving there. Our budget for the year to do this event is $19,409.68. And, uh, and so we are about halfway to our budget with just a few weeks left. So when you give in the offering later on, just know that that is what uh, the funds will be going for to make sure that we get there, have thousands of CDs to give away, and we'll be there doing the deal. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together. Lord, I pray that in this time that we would be impacted in a positive way, that we would see things that we know that we can do from the Word, that we would be able to be encouraged to overcome our own weaknesses, and Lord, overcome our own failures and see dramatic increase in kingdom activity in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can find Genesis chapter 40, verse 8, and I'll get there in a minute. You know, our view of the world is really limited. Our view of reality actually is very limited. We don't really see things as they are. We only see things through the view of our reality, and that's formed by our life experiences and our beliefs. Our belief system really forms those things. That's why we are commanded to, to, to renew our mind and to be transformed. 
If we think we see things as they really are, we live a very small life. We live a small life if we think that we see things as they really are. Here's why. Ephesians 3.20 talks about this. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You see, we, we live in a reality, ultimate reality is really the, the mind and the will of God, the way God sees things. And God sees things infinitely beyond what we can ask or think. And so if we limit our life experience only to those things that we understand, we are going to live a very small life. You know, whenever, I don't know about you, but I've had experiences in my life where my only description of them was Ephesians 3.20 because they were beyond all that I could imagine or ask or think. They were far more wonderful than I could have ever dreamed. And that's why we're here this morning. We have seen something in our limited view of reality. We've seen something that has caused us to know that there is something more. We have seen us like with me. I got a glimpse of Jesus, and I knew that what I had experienced in my small life, my limited reality, was really not as big, as good, as wonderful as it could be after I just had a glimpse of him. When I think about things that are beyond my ability to comprehend, I know I must be dreaming. Dreams are those divine insights from God that encourage us that there is something better. Dreams are a New Testament standard of communication. Three times in the first two chapters of the New Testament, God speaks to the family specifically via the instrument of dreams. Dreams cause us to risk. They cause us to press in. They cause us to do great things. One dream qualifier is this. If you feel that you have a dream that's from the Lord, there's always one way that you can qualify that dream, and that's this. Dreams from God are always about the family. Dreams from God are always about the family. I've titled this message this morning, Dream Acceleration, because we are interested in accelerating the dreams that we have in our heart. We all are. I don't, you can, some people would say, well, that's a selfish motive. Well, I don't know necessarily if that's accurate or not. I believe it's something divine inside of us that wants to accelerate the dreams that we have in our life. I have a book that I wrote called Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave, which is about this aspect of it. And I have a confession to make about, I know some of you have read my book. I have a confession to make about when I wrote that book. When I started writing that book, I thought that the dreams that we had were about what we do. And as I was writing that book, I realized that I didn't know what I was talking about. And if you read it carefully, you can see in the pages of the book, it's like, well, he completely changed course right here because he's no longer talking about what we do. He's talking about who we are. And the ultimate dream that comes from God will always be about the family. Why is that? 
Because that is God's dream for planet Earth. That is why we are here. That is the purpose of this all, is for God's great desire to be a father with a family. So, whenever I think about dreams, I always think about Joseph, the dreamer in the Bible. Joseph was a man that had a dream when he was a child. That dream was such, and because of the favoritism of his father over over his other brothers towards Joseph, his dream caused him much pain. You know the story. He had this dream about his family bowing down to him, and his brothers hated him from it, and they sold him off into slavery, and he got in all kinds of trouble. But he still had this dream, and this dream was from the Lord because it was about family. His dream was qualified because it was about the, the, the saving of the family. And he has this dream down inside of his heart, and years pass, decades pass. He's locked up in prison, and one day something happens, and his dreams accelerate at a breakneck pace. He goes from the, from the prison I can say that, actually. He goes from the prison to the palace overnight. From being an inmate incarcerated, I mean, if you think about the impossibilities of something beyond all that we could ask or think, I mean, you think about that in our society, that someone would go from being a convicted felon to vice president overnight. That's what happened in this man's life. His dreams accelerated. And why they accelerated, we see in Genesis 40, verse 8. And let's, let me read it to you. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Genesis 48. And they replied, We both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. In this passage of Scripture, there were some guys that were incarcerated with him, and they had dreams. And they, couldn't, they didn't understand the dreams. They couldn't find anyone to help them with the dreams. And finally, they came to the dreamer himself, Joseph, and said, We have these dreams, and nobody can, can interpret them to us. And Joseph says, Those dreams are from the Lord. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. You see, I believe a key, the key to dream acceleration in our life has to, is revealed right here, that Joseph's dreams accelerated greatly when he became interested in the dreams of other people. When he became interested in the dreams of other people, there was an extreme acceleration in the dreams of his life. And I know that you sitting here and me also, we have dreams, and those things are tied to the reality of how involved we get in the dreams of other peoples. Joseph's dreams had been buried by the trials of life. And I assume his present dream when he's in in prison here is just about survival. Maybe today you have these dreams and you feel they're stuck, and inactive. But then one day his dreams suddenly accelerated when he became interested in the dreams of other people. 
This is a key focus for us as kingdom people. We must always be about assisting other people in finding and living their dreams. This is the main purpose of ministry, helping others fulfill their God-given dreams. What are the dreams of others? It's very simple. They want to experience the love of the family. The dreams of us all are to experience the love of the family. I think there's never a more... um, there's never been a more uh, visible time in my experience in life where I see the deep desire of each one of us in this country and around the world to be connected. The phenomena of social media, given how shallow and superficial it is, is a key indicator that there is a hunger in the heart of our culture to experience the connection that only comes by experiencing the love of the family. It's an inherent dream in each one of us. We have this dream for connection. We have this dream for acceptance. We have this dream of family. It's the purpose of ministry. You know, one of the things that I think that separates us in church life is this term of ministry. Ministry is somebody like me up here doing what I'm doing. That's kind of the definition of it. And y'all out there. And if you study the words of Jesus, you'll never find the word ministry written in red. Because he didn't call anyone to ministry He called us to be with him. He came to adopt us into the family. And we are all called to have that ministry that Jesus had of reconciliation, finding family and reconnecting them. It is the definition of ministry. In ministry, the Greek word for ministry means to serve or to serve as a slave. We are, we are to be engaged in helping people discover their dreams. How do we become interested in the dreams of other people? Well, I've been studying this passage of Scripture, and it's been a familiar Scripture to me. It's in Proverbs 18, verse 16. And it reads like this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men in the New King James. In the New Living Translation, it reads like this. Giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. In the NIV, it reads like this. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. When I used to think about this passage of Scripture, I thought when the term gift there was referring to our abilities, our abilities, that which, you know, like I'm a guitar player, that is my gift, I'm a speaker, I'm whatever, that's the gift that I have. 
But as I began to study it, it was like I have one of those, you ever have one of those slap in the face times? It's like, how could I be so hard-headed and so egotistical that I thought this verse was about me? And I, I read, I, I was studying this verse the other day, and I went to look up the definition of the word gift. And you all, you all will think, you know, it's like, wow, man, it really took you this long to figure that out. But I, I looked up the definition of the word gift there, and it simply means that which you have to give. That which you have to give. That w- and, and so I love that because it's so universal to us all. If we're going to be interested in, the, in the, the dreams of other people, it's tied back to our involvement and our relationship with them by that which we have to give. And each one of us have this gift that we can give to people around us. We have this gift that we can give to people around us. We can use what it is that we have. And, you know, that so simplifies things for me. I love that because then in every situation, I know that you and I have the power to give something that is impacting, that is helpful, that is good, that is reflective of the kingdom to every single person that we meet. We can do that. It's, you're not limited by what you don't have. You're, you're only, you, have the un, you have the unlimited resource of the seed that God has given to each one of us that we can give away. That we can give away. When Sherry and I first came to Jesus, we didn't have nothing. We didn't have anything. I tell people if it was Christmas, all we were exchanging was glances. That was it. <laughs> And we got saved, and we didn't have anything that we thought we could give. But we found something that we could give. And it was a precious, valuable thing to us. And that was our time. Our time. We found a place to give our time to people in the house of God. And we began to be interested in their dreams over our own dreams. And one of the things, when I say, when I start to mention time, I automatically feel this wave of stress coming back from y'all. He surely doesn't know about my schedule. He doesn't know about my responsibility. He doesn't know about this pack of wild kids that I got living in my house. And I, I do, I understand that. But if we experience life only from our own reality, we live a very small life. That was one of my opening statements. If we live our life only in the, in the realm of what we can control, we live a very small life. Let me give you an example that as it relates to time. There's a story in the Old Testament about Israel fighting a battle. It was a crucial battle to the history and the welfare of the family. And this battle needed to be accomplished, but the sun was going down. And so they prayed. 
and God literally stopped the sun in the sky. In other words, he made time stand still. Why? Because they were pursuing the destiny that they had, that God had intended for them to help other people fulfill their dreams. And literally, that works for you and I personally. If we are so in control of our time that we don't have enough that we can't give to other people, we will continue to live a life limited by our own control. We need to get into the realm of supernatural and pull back and have some faith that says, I have enough that I can give, even if it's only a seed. How many of you, how many of you get my email updates? Do you, do you all get my email updates? You need to go to my website and subscribe to my email updates. So I'm, on the one I sent out this week, I talked about uh, that there's no bad seed. There's no bad seed. If you look at the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, he went out sowing seed. He's the worst farmer in the world, by the way. He's throwing it on the rocks. He's throwing it in the bushes. He's throwing it on the road. He's throwing this stuff everywhere. But in every instance, that seed took root and did something. There's no bad seed. But I mentioned my newsletter because... Uh, I took a picture outside of my house with a stock of corn growing out of my guttering. It's like, what's up with that? It's like, well, first you need to clean out your gutters. But second, there's no bad seed. How did that seed get there? I don't know how it got there. Somebody, somebody sowed that seed there, probably a squirrel. We got a bunch of psycho squirrels living around our house. And... It was probably a squirrel took that thing up there and planted it, but the thing took root and grow. You have seed of your time in your life that you can begin to see the value of and give that to other people. I encourage guys like me that are like vocational ministers that you need to be doing something beyond the realm of the pulpit out in the public with the gift that you have been given. Find a way to make those things connect. Sherry and I, we started, we started, we found time to give to the people of, of our, of like faith and that we found a ministry that was vital in our church. And for seven years, we conducted that ministry by faith, giving our time to clean the toilets. And I can feel right now a resistance to my topic right here, right now. And I know and discern by the Spirit that there's a need for somebody to clean some toilets around here. I haven't been in the bathroom, so I can't speak personally, but I can tell you that there's, there's a place where some of you, it's like, how come you did that? That's the only thing we were qualified to do. That's what I'm talking about right there. The gift, that which you presently have to give away. Now, I'm going I'm to pretty much stop right there, but I could go into what this means when we're outside of this room and how that there are people who are all around you who desperately need a seed of the kingdom sown in their hearts. 
That's why we go to Sturgis. I'm not going to Sturgis to necessarily lead somebody to the Lord. I'm going to Sturgis to take a seed of what I have that I can give, and I'm going to give that away to somebody, and I'm going to trust God that they might, you know, that seed might be a stock of corn growing in somebody's gutter. And you have the same opportunity. When you leave here today and you go to the restaurant, you have the opportunity in every social interaction that you have. And really, in reality, I'll just throw this out here because i got plenty of time. I mean, I'm like, I'm flying. So I'll just throw this out here. The reason why we as charismatic Pentecostal people embrace the reality of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so, is because God gave us power to be a witness. Now, what does that mean? That means that you are in the culture and you are able to give a gift, a seed of the kingdom to people in such a way that they receive it. And all of the fruit of the Spirit, all those things are, are not so you can act goofy. They are so you can have the relational tools that you need to be able to work and function and interact in a family. The skills, if, you're, if your family right now is failing, you desperately need to connect to the power of God and begin to allow the fruit of the Spirit to manifest in your life. Those are tools, power tools that have been given to us so that we can build relationships that are meaningful and that last. One of my cousins, John, is here this morning. And his, his grandfather passed away just a couple of weeks ago. My uncle, my, my last remaining uncle. My dad had a huge family. He had 11 brothers and sisters. And my uncle, J.R., passed away. He was known for carrying bubble gum in his pocket. And, and if you were a kid and you got around him, you got a piece of bubble gum. Double bubble. You know, not, the, not any funky stuff. This was the real stuff, you know. And... When they got ready to read his eulogy, it read like this. He was buried in the church that he started attending in 1935. He was married to the same woman for 67 years. Now, if you're going to tell me that it doesn't take power to be able to function relationally and have a legacy like that, I want to tell you that that's power. And I want to tell you that as a man and as a husband and as a father, that's the kind of power that I want working in my life. And I know deep down inside of you, that's what you want working in your life. We are given the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be able to maintain, function in, and relate to each other as a family. And can I just suggest this? We can do better than we've been doing. And I have great faith and confidence that this hour, this moment, for our churches, for our nation, this is what we desperately need to manifest. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. So today, as you leave... Know that every, every person that you come in contact with, 
every social interaction that you have, even if it's just a kind word or a smile or a big tip at lunch, that's a seed. That has power. That will produce. You know why I'm so confident in this? Because God trusts seed more than we do. We want to see results. God wants to see the seed sown. He trusts seed so much that when it came time to bring the Savior to this planet, when it came time to send Jesus to us, God chose the vehicle of seed and packaged Jesus in that seed, trusting fully that that seed would do what it had been born to do. You and I have a tremendous opportunity at this time in our nation and in our families. And I meant what I said. If your family is failing today, there is power available for you. I can't, you know, you can't use that to manipulate other people's decisions, but there's power available to you so that you can know how to function and how to live in that relationship and be a witness of the power of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Lord, that you've called us, given us this gift, given us these dreams. And Lord, your desire is to accelerate our dreams greatly. And Lord, I pray today that as we leave here, Lord, that we would be interested in the dreams of other people. Lord, that we would see it plainly, that we would open up our hearts and we would see Lord, the needs of other people, the dreams of other people, and we would know and have strategy of how to build relationships with those people. And Lord, to bring them to a place to introduce them as part of our family. Lord, we thank you for it, Father. You're so kind and so loving. Lord, I pray for families here today that are in trouble. Lord, I pray that you would, you would arrest the hearts of these individuals. Capture them by love, Lord. Teach them through the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit how to function and be successful right where they are. In Jesus' name, amen.